Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey everyone, PA here, Pastor Adam Bird, and I'm so grateful uh, that you've chosen uh, to tune in to our Every Nation channel. And I got news for you this morning. God has got a word for you. Listen, we are kicking off a new 26-week series we've just called the ABCs of Faith. Uh, We want to lay the foundation to have a biblical worldview. And today, to kick off the series, we begin with the letter A. And A stands for Atonement atonement like atonement it's one of these words we 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 don't hear or or use often if at all uh yet i promise you that hopefully after today uh you will sense that there's this this idea of atonement all around us all the time and so uh i I I learned about a fascinating woman uh this past week her name is Evelyn Glennie and uh, Evelyn Glennie she's a, a world famous percussionist and I mean her her accolades are just through the roof man she's she's won three Grammys uh, she she's uh, been uh, given the the uh, polar prize of, of music it's like the Nobel Peace Prize for musicians uh, she played in in the 2012 Olympic opening ceremonies and and so uh, like and and just to top it off uh, oh yeah she was also knighted by the Queen of England. Can she agree she was pretty spectacular, but as great as all those things are, uh, it wasn't nearly as uh, spectacular as when you realize she has been deaf from the age of 12. Isn't that amazing? That that, that, uh, Evelyn, she taught herself uh, to feel the music. In fact, when she she plays her drums, she'll she'll play barefoot so she can feel the reverberation and the rumbling of the bass. And when she gets into the higher notes, she says she can feel it tingling throughout her her arms and and into her face. And so she literally has made her body this giant ear to pick up the reverberations uh, of sound. And in a real way, man, I pray after today's message that, that you will sense the reverberations of atonement that are around us 24-7. And so the word atonement, it's, it's real simple. I'm a simple guy. I need to keep it simple. Uh, atonement, if you can just break it off into three pieces, at one meant atonement at one meant the big idea is that that there was there's was something that that was one and it was it was broken split in two and then to bring it back into a uh, one mint okay and uh, and really that's that's the human story if, you, if you're familiar with your bible you know that that god created us for union uh with himself and then uh, we know that sin it separates humanity from god and and we can feel the hollowness of our heart we know that there's something missing something lacking uh, and then comes the life death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and now he makes at one mint possible right and so that's our, our story and, and and if you pay attention man this idea of, of reconciling bringing things back together again um, it's it's a part of every song we sing it's a part of every movie uh, we see know and love it's a part of every great novel you'll ever read this idea of, of bringing things back 
into reconciliation, into at-one-ment, right? Lord, bring back together my family, uh, my marriage, bring back together uh, my health, uh, my world, my job, so on and so forth. It's, it's all about atonement, to, to fix what's broken in the world. Uh, I love uh, what the storybook Bible says. And so moms and dads out there, if you don't have the storybook Bible for your kids, shame on you. It is amazing. And I promise you this, you'll get more out of the Bible than your kid does, right? And, and so I so love this quote from the storybook Bible. It says this, it says, uh, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story, and at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. And I just, I just want to focus on that. I just think that's such a profound statement that, that every story in your Bible, it whispers his name. And that name is the name of Jesus, the one who atones or reconciles us back to himself. And so Jesus, uh, he's going to say the same thing just a little bit differently. Do you know, in, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus has resurrected from the dead. But, but as he does in his resurrected form, sometimes it's as if he can disguise himself from people. And he's, he's actually uh, meets up with two of his disciples walking on the road to Demaeus. It's about a seven to eight mile walk. And as they're walking, from Jerusalem to uh, Emmaus, Jesus starts walking with them, but they don't know it's Jesus. And he starts talking with them and he asked them why you're so sad. And they said, haven't you heard? We thought we found the Messiah. And then he died. And Jesus kind of plays along with them. And he, he says, don't you know the Messiah had to die? And, and then here's what I love. Uh, he, he reads to the, or he, he says this in Luke 24, 27. It says this, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Can I say that in a different way? That Jesus, he was letting them know that every story whispers his name. And so on the seven mile uh, uh, walk that Jesus was unpacking your Old Testament saying, that's me, that's me, that's me. Take, for example, the very beginning, Adam and Eve. We know the story that Adam and Eve, they eat of the forbidden fruit and and in so doing, uh, that, that they, they tear away, they sin against God, and, and they realize it says they're naked. And so they tried to make coverings uh, for their guilt and for their shame uh, out of fig leaves. And, and God said, this is going to be highly insufficient. And so what did God have to do? Our loving God, he, he killed an innocent animal, shed its blood, and gave them skins for covering. Do you know that in Hebrew, the, the word for atonement is the word kippur. It, it means covering, right? And so from the beginning, man, uh, every, every um, story is whispering the name of Jesus. Jesus, the innocent lamb who was slain to cover over 
uh, your sin and mine. Uh, we can go to the book of Noah and remember that God's had it up to here with humanity and he, he sends uh, God's righteous wrath to judge the world with a, a great flood and, and, and only Noah and his family are, are rescued in the ark and, and after the, the flood waters recede, uh, 40 days and 40 nights, it says that, that, that Noah, then he made an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and as a side note, those poor animals, man, they, they thought they made it from the flood and they get off and what? They get sacrificed. <laughs> so sorry, buddy. But anyways, but, but do you remember the story? It says, it said the Lord smelled the sweet swelling, uh, smelling aroma of that sacrifice. And in so doing, he made a covenant with Noah and with man that he would never flood the world again. And the sign of that covenant was what? The rainbow or more literally, it is the war bow. And did you notice where the, which direction the bow is pointed? It's pointed towards the heavens. In other words, humanity, uh, I will point uh, my righteous wrath, not at you, but at me because of my son, Jesus. Um, here'll be another one. We take Abraham. If you remember Abraham with his promised son, Isaac, and God says, I want you to offer your son, Isaac, on Mount, on Mount Moriah. And so if that sounds horious, like uh, horrible, which, which it is, it sounds like it, uh, but, but you got to realize that Isaac at this time, he's not like a three-year-old. Isaac at this time, theologians believe he's either between the eight, he's as young as 18, as old as 36. And so that would make Abraham uh, 118 or 136. And so I promise you that Isaac, if he wants to get away, if he's not uh, in, in lockstep with his dad, he can take that old man at any moment, right? No, it's, it's Abraham and Isaac together going up on Mount Moriah. And Isaac asks, Father, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says this, God will provide a sacrifice. And before Abraham could sacrifice his son Isaac, what happens? God says, stop. And there's a ram caught in the thicket and he, he sacrifices uh, this ram in Isaac's place. And you know that thousands and thousands of years later, on that same mountain, Mount Moriah, um, there's a place called Calvary where God would it sacrifice his son once and for all for your sin and for mine? See, see, uh, every story whispers the name of Jesus. Uh, and, and it crescendos in this story. It's the story of Moses in your Old Testament. Leviticus 16, God commands the holiest of holy days. It, it is the day of atonement or Yom Kippur. And in, in Yom Kippur, the high priest, uh, he had to sacrifice uh, a goat. And so two goats were brought before the high priest and they would, they would cast lots between these two goats. They would roll the dice, if you will. And, and one would be the sacrificial goat. And, and then what would happen is this, this goat would have its throat slit and they would bloodlet it and they would sprinkle this blood on the most holy place. It was paying the penalty or the price uh, for the sin of God's people. But then there was another goat. This goat was the scapegoat. And the high priest would lay hands on the head of this animal and he would confess the sins uh, of, of God's people on this animal. And then they would cast this, this goat out of the camp. It's symbolic of what? The guilt and shame for our sin uh, is, is being tossed out of the camp. And it's a picture for you and I of what Jesus does at the cross. He pays for the penalty for our sin, but as well, he frees us from guilt and shame. And one day he's coming and he's going to remove all sin and make all things new again. 
Every story whispers his name. In fact, every Sunday, uh, my, that if you come here to Every Nation, New Jersey, uh, we're going to partake uh, of the sacrament uh, of communion. Uh, and, and listen, if you know anything about communion, it's what? It's this constant reminder of the atoning work done by Jesus Christ at the cross. We want, I want every Sunday you to hear the whisper of his name as we partake of the Lord's table uh, together. And so uh, uh, the, the atoning work done by Jesus at the cross, it, it was the perfect answer uh, to our eternal problem. See, you and I, we were created for God. We just were. I'll prove it to you this way. I'll get you there in a roundabout way. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul has a lot to say about marriage, which is kind of surprising because he wasn't married. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, it's the inspired word of God. In Ephesians 5, Paul's got some hard words. Uh, for example, for, for my wives out there, uh, not my wives, plural, but the ladies that are married out there, uh, Paul begins by saying this, wives submit to your husbands. Right? That's some hard words. For the record, it didn't say women submit to men. It says wives submit to your husband. But I think God ratchets it up for the, the, for the husbands out there. It says, husbands, you're to love your lo wife like Christ loved the church, laying down his life for her. God's call for you, husbands, you're to die uh, for your wife. But then at the end of this section, uh, like Paul, he pulls a fast one on us. Let me read it to you in Ephesians 5, verses 31 to 32. Paul says then, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And all the married folks said, Amen, right? But then here's where the switch comes. It says, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church, right? Did you catch that? He's saying, just like a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage, they actually become one, that you and I, we were designed for covenant with God, that we would become one with Christ uh, and his church. And so that's the big idea. But what happens? There's a cosmic tear, a cosmic divorce, if you will, because of Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, they sin and rebel against God. And sin, uh, it, it separates. And if you don't believe me, just sin against your spouse. And I promise you, you guys are going to separate for a little while. Uh, your kid uh, sins against you. You're going to separate for a little while. You sin against friends. You're going to separate for a little while, right? Uh, and if you still don't believe me, uh, then believe Isaiah. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And so uh, I want to thank you for tuning in today, uh, but I also want to let you know you're a sinner. <laughs> Welcome to every nation. <laughs> but uh, listen, man, I, I am too. And uh, if you don't believe me, just you're not paying attention. Like, like you and I, we're sinners by nature by birth. In other words, we're born uh, sinful creatures. We're not born innocent and, and right. Uh, and if you don't believe me, you just don't have kids, all right? Because uh, here's what I know. Like, like your kid's first word is not mama or dada. You know what it is? It's mine. 
or it's no, right? These are the first words your kids are learning. And, and you don't have to teach your kid uh, to lie, to steal, to do. They do that intrinsically by nature. It comes naturally. And we have to train that stuff out of them. Um, how about this? So we're sinners by nature. We're sinners by action, too. In other words, there's this sinful behavior that, that seems to just come out on its own. I mean, like, like have you ever just like lost your mind on your spouse, right? No? No, me neither then. Never mind. We'll just move on, right? You're right. Like these moments where we just snap in anger. And we're like, why did I do that? Or have you ever had that moment where you're on the freeway, man, and you're just like, blah, you just cuss at somebody. Once again, I've never done that either, right? But right, it just, it just comes out. And have you ever found it odd where if you're walking through your living room and you, you, you kick your coffee table and you hit your baby toe and, and you, you never yell out, Benjamin Franklin, you never do that, do you? What? You'll say, Jesus Christ, and you'll, you'll take the Lord's name in vain. Isn't there something odd about that? Like it has to do with that we're sinners by action. And last but not least, we're, we're also sinners by choice. And I, I'm not proud of this, but there's been moments in my life when, when I've, I've, I've almost scheduled my sin. I, I've saved money for my sin. Um, man, I, I've made time for my sin. Why? Because we're sinners by nature, by action, and by choice. And that's what the good news... See, we, we feel that separation and that distance from God because of our sin. But the great news of the gospel is that our God atones for our sins. And He makes us at one again. And listen, um, I, I pray that, that even this morning, like, that you can sense this, man, that there's still, there's something missing, there's something lacking. Um, I mean, the great prophet Bono from U2, he says it this way, man, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And uh, Solomon, he'll express the same thing, this distance we feel because of, of, of the sin of humanity. Uh, he says it in Ecclesiastes he's, uh, chapter 3, he says, God has put eternity inside the heart of man. In other words, there's this God-sized hole we have. And you've got to understand who's saying this. Solomon's saying this. You know, he's the richest man who ever lived. Um, economists uh, estimate he's worth $2.1 trillion. To give you a little context in that, that Elon Musk is only worth uh, $241 billion, right? And so, so he had all the money there was. Uh, he had all the power uh, there, there was at that time. He was king of the greatest nation on the planet in his day. How about this? He had all the sex and all the pleasure you could ever imagine. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines, and let all of it, he says, it's all vain. Uh, it's empty. It still doesn't fill the gap of eternity in my soul. And, and if you pay attention, um, you feel it personally. Like you think about on your greatest day, the best day you can imagine. And, and isn't there always, doesn't it always seem like, wow, this is really good, but there should be a little bit more. And you're tapping into this idea of eternity inside the heart of man. And the only one that can fill the chasm of eternity is the eternal one. And that's God Almighty because you were made for union with God, uh, atonement. In fact, if I haven't beat this drum sufficiently enough, um, um, there's, a, there's a small uh, prophet uh, in your Old Testament by the name of Hosea. Hosea, it, it's, it's a, a type of the name Yeshua, 
or Jesus. Uh, the name Yeshua and Hosea, it means, it means salvation. And, and God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute by the name of Gomer. And in, in Gomer, like Hosea loves her, and yet Gomer, what does she do? She looks for love in, in the arms of another man, in another man, in another man, until she sleeps around so much that, that she's kind of bottomed out. And in her wilderness season, it's like the lights go on. And she realizes all I've ever needed and ever wanted were right there with Yeshua or Hosea, right? Salvation was right in front of me all the time. And for the record, uh, the name Gomer, it, it means complete. Like, like she was Jerry Maguire before there was Jerry Maguire because she realized, Yeshua, you complete me, right? And so um, here's, here's what I do know. Man, that humanity, we feel this this void in our heart and our soul, and we don't know what to do with, don't know what to do with it. And so the world's got all these uh, quasi solutions. And so some people they say, hey, you just need to look outside of yourself. That there's something out there that can fill the whole of eternity uh, in our hearts, and, and it's just not true. And we got we got decades of proof to prove it. Like the 70s, 80s, and 90s were about, hey, man, just fill up on your career, fill up on money. Fill up on uh, excess. Fill up on you know you fill in the blank and and it left us all empty and lacking. But then the the generation behind us then they did something different. They said no 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 don't look outside of yourself. Look inward. Look inward to yourself. That's where you'll find the answers. And don't mishear me. Like I'm I'm a fan uh, of therapy and, and introspection and, and self reflection. I'm a fan of that. But here's what I do know, man. If you're looking inside of yourself uh, for eternal answers, here's what I know. You're going to get more questions than you get answers. And I know something else. When you look inside, it can get a little foggy and a little murky in there. Like, like uh, I, I know it says that it says in the scriptures that there, there is a way that seems right to a man, and in the end, it leads to death and destruction. And so sometimes self-reflection it can lead to self-absorption. And what what do we see today? We see narcissism. We see, and I know if you're if you're a narcissist that the world revolves around you. Here's what I know about you: you're a lonely person, and you've doomed yourself, man, to a life of solitary confinement, right? And God doesn't want that for you. Or some of you, you've looked inwards, and now what? You've given uh, your feelings the driver's seat of your, of your life. Listen, feelings are a gift from God, but they belong in the passenger seat or even in the back seat at all times. They should never have the steering wheel of your life. Uh, case in point, it was funny, I've been listening to Christmas carols. We were in the Christmas season, and, and I remember the story of Karen Carpenter from the the music group the carpenters and she felt like she was fat despite the fact she she was uh, dangerously thin in fact uh, she would starve herself to death see you can't you can't have your feelings be in the driver's seat uh, of your life and so so you can look outward look you look inward but here's my appeal to you today look upward 
Look upward to the cross of Jesus Christ, the perfect atoning work with God. And if you receive his perfect sacrifice, man, you can be reconciled back to God, that the God hole can be filled in your life. And and so uh, in the atonement, right, uh, God is doing so many beautiful things. It's like the atonement is this beautiful gem. And as you look at different facets facets of it, man, the, the beauty uh, just reflects off it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few of them here today is like in the atonement we see Christ is ransoming you and me from our sin. Christ is ransoming us from sin. Matthew 20 verse 28 says this, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, um, Remember that, that every story whispers his voice. Uh, let me present to you uh, the story, Les Mis. Have you seen uh, Les Miserables? Rather, you've seen it on, on the big screen or the Broadway play. My wife loves Les Mis. And, and, and there's the, the story goes like this. There's a, a man, Jean Valjean, and, and, and because of the poverty of his family and whatnot, he, he's forced to steal in order to provide for uh, children and, and, uh, and relatives in his house. And he gets arrested. And as he rots in prison, he gets a hard, hard heart until finally he's, he's released. And as he's going out seeking shelter in the rain, one night, the only place he could find uh, was a church, and there he runs into uh, a bishop, and and he asks if the bishop could just uh, would allow him to sleep in the barn outside, and the bishop is not having, and he's having, no, you're going to come and stay with me, set another place at the table, and he's like, don't you know I'm a criminal? And he says, of course I know you're a criminal. Get in here, make a seat at the table, and and he just loves on Jean Valjean. He gives him a warm room to stay, but in the night, Jean Valjean, he he winds up. Stealing uh, from uh, the the bishop, steals some silver candlesticks and items, and and he runs off into the night. And then he's promptly arrested that day, and and they come back to return uh, the silver candlesticks. And the police say, "Hey, we're returning this. This thief stole it from you." And here the the bishop's response was, "He didn't steal that from me. He's like Jean Valjean. How could you forget? You forgot the silverware as well." And the the cops look perplexed, and they just leave. And then Jean Valjean. He looks at the bishop uh, in his eyes, and the bishop has this to say to him. He says, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred, and now I give you back to God. You see, in a very real way, man, that you and I, we are deserving of death, hell, and the grave. But what did we get instead? We got Jesus, the gift of God's one and only Son. And that should be transformative uh, for your life. Do you know what it's like as a kid, man, when you know you deserve a spanking and you get a hug? Man, there's something that can, that can change the trajectory of your life. And man, that's Christ ransoming you from sin. And the second thing is this, uh, Christ as our substitute, that Christ is our substitute. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says this, for our sake, he, he being Jesus, made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is Jesus 
as our substitute, that he dies in our place. And it was funny, in preparing this, I was asking my wife and my family, I'm like, I'm like, girls, what's an example in like a movie of someone substituting for another person, taking their punishment? And, and so immediately my daughter, she's a Beauty and the Beast fan. She says, Dad, it's, it's Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, man, she is spot on. If you've seen the, uh, uh, the, the movie Beauty and the Beast, we see it's nothing but substitution, substitution, substitution that... That bell uh, substitutes becoming the the beast prisoner, and so there's a great exchange there. That that later that that the beast will sacrifice his life as he wards off the wolves that are trying to attack Bell. There's a substitution there, and then uh, towards the end of the movie, as this love story grows together, that both the beast and Bell they substitute once again uh, for Bell's father. See, it's about substitution, and and so I hope you hear the reverberation, man. Uh, of atonement uh, throughout even every movie, man, because every story whispers his name. And so this idea of Christ substituting on our behalf. And so I know many of you will remember this date, March 6th, 1999. It was an epic day because it was the day that Adam Burt, me, was traded from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Andre Kovalenko of the Philadelphia Flyers. There was this great exchange, uh, if you will. And I say that, by the way, uh, Philly got the better end of the deal, your pastor. All right. Uh, but, uh, but I say that to say this, Martin Luther, he calls the atonement, the great exchange. And it's this, this epic trade for humanity that we get Christ's perfect life in righteousness imputed to us. And he becomes our substitute and he dies in our place. And that's a great, great deal for you and for me. And so number three, as we're looking at the facets of the atonement, here's number three is this, that, that Christ receives our, our punishment. So he not only is our substitute, but Christ absorbs the punishment due to you and I because of our sin. First John 2, 2 says this, he is, he being Jesus, he is the propitiation. That, that word just simply means that which satisfies wrath. Um, that, that he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins uh, of the whole world. And so, so we see this idea of bearing the punishment uh, on behalf of another. Uh, can I give you some movies for it? Because every story whispers its name. Uh, you remember The Little Mermaid? Come on, man. That, that Ariel, man, she's made, uh, uh, she's broken all these rules and she makes a deal with Ursula she can't keep. But, but who's going to bear the wrath of that? What? King Triton dies, uh, suffers the punishment uh, in her place. Uh, we can go Disney again if we go the Lion King, that, that Simba is disobeying his father and he goes off into forbidden lands. And, and what has to happen? That Mufasa, the great king, he steps in and he absorbs uh, the punishment of his son Simba's disobedience and, and winds up dying. And I so love later on in that film, and it's pertinent to our talk today, that, that Simba, uh, that, that he, his sin and shame has, has left him into a life uh, less than he should be. He's, he was supposed to be king, and he was living like a pig. And I just, these words were, where he hears the whisper of his father, Simba, he says, you're more than you've become. And man, I see so many Christians that, that Jesus, he died on our behalf, and they'll just take that, and then they do nothing with it. And I just feel like that's a word from the Lord today, that man, Christ died, uh, was buried and raised again on your behalf, that you might be one with God 
And what are you doing with that? You're more than you've become. God's got a mission. God's got a purpose for you. And so um, here's like, like uh, this, uh, I hope this makes sense. Like, like God is a forgiving God, but God can't just forgive. Like he can't just say, oh, I forgive you and everything's done. Because that would make God unholy and unjust. See, see, sin must be paid for or atoned for. And you want a righteous king, a just king on the throne. And I'll prove it to you how innate in you uh, is this idea of justice. So um, uh, I'm going to leave this NFL player's name uh, nameless. But there was an, an NFL player uh, who um, it was reported uh, that he struck his fiance. So there's uh, like a domestic violence thing. And so the NFL suspended him for three games. Uh, until the media got a hold of the footage of, of what this man did uh, to his then fiance. He struck her so hard, he literally knocked her out and to the ground. And when the world saw that, they said, what? Three games for that? That is unjust. That is an unjust punishment for what took place. And what happened? Uh, this individual never, ever played in the NFL again. What? Because they knew it, man, that the punishment didn't fit the crime. And I want to tell you, man, and, and this is a little aside, but man, while, while the world uh, may cancel you and give up on you, God will never give up on you. God is holy and just, and he demands a, 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 the right penalty for sin, but God will never quit on you. He'll never get up on you. Um, and here's number four is this. Christ is our example. Christ is our example. 1 Peter 2, 21 says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. That Christ gave us this example to follow in his sacrificial death on behalf of others. And so as we're talking about story, and we hear the reverberation of atonement everywhere, can I present to you Saving Private Ryan uh, as we talk about Christ as our example? If you're familiar with the story that uh, Private Ryan is played by Matt Damon and, and all these soldiers are tasked to get Private Ryan back home to the States safe. And, and we see that all these men give their life and die. Why? So that Private Ryan might win or, or live. And then we see uh, the, the uh, last few scenes, Captain Miller, played by Tom Hanks, as he's breathing his last breaths, he tells uh, Matt Damon, he says, earn this, earn this. And the movie immediately, it, it fast forwards all the way to Matt Damon being an old man. And, and as he's sitting at the cemetery, looking at all his fallen comrades, he just, it, this shudder and this fear hits him. And he, he looks in terror to his wife. He says, please tell me I'm a good man. Please tell me I was a good dad, that I was a good father. Please tell me I was a good man, right? And, and there was all this, he realized, man, so much was given on my behalf. These sacrifices, did I pay it for? Forward and sacrifice for others. So don't don't miss Harry. We, we don't we don't earn salvation, but what we do, we are called to be a living sacrifice. It's the way we live our life to say thank you for the atonement and for the cross of Christ. And then um, uh, last but not least, number five is this: Christ is our victor. Christ is our victor. John 16 verse 33. It says this: um, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, 
I have overcome the world. Like Jesus says, I have overcome the world so you and I can have peace. So um, just a, a serious note here is, do you know, like, like as Christians here at Every Nation, New Jersey, like, like we can disagree on some things and still be uh, in fellowship. Like we can, we can maybe disagree on tongues or no tongues, uh, maybe worship styles. We can disagree on that and still walk together. Um, uh, maybe uh, on baptism, is it infant baptism? Is it a believer's baptism? You know, we can disagree and still walk together. But there's one thing we cannot walk together on, and that is if if you uh, miss the the fact and the reality that Iron Man is the greatest Avenger of all time. And I don't think you can dispute this, right? And so uh, if if we've seen uh, Avengers Endgame, if you've seen this in the evil Thanos, do you know Thanos, uh, it's it's actually a, a Greek name and it comes from the personification of death itself, Thanos. And, and remember at the end of the film, when it, when it just looked like all was lost and all our heroes were defeated, Thanos, he, he looked at me as, as he looks at his glove and, and he's, he snaps his finger and he says this, I am inevitable. And he snaps and nothing happens, right? Because death is supposed to be inevitable. And what happens, the camera pans over to who else? Yes, Iron Man, who had stolen the Infinity Stones. And what does he say? I am Iron Man. Snaps his finger, what? And Thanos, death is no more. That sounds very, very familiar to me, like another story. Man, we can read about this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, that, that Jesus says this, at the end of all time, our great victor and champion, Jesus Christ, he says, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus says, I got the infinity stones and that you and I don't have to fear anymore. See, every story whispers his name. And so uh, I, I, I'm going to end with this. Do you know, you know, in, in, in the heavenly realms, there's only one thing that was made uh, by man. And you know what that is? That was uh, the nail-pierced hands and feet of Jesus, the wounded side. Those are the only man-made things in heaven. And isn't it amazing that Jesus kept these scars as this eternal reminder for you and me of his undying love for us. And so, um, man, every story whispers its name. And so I'll end with this last story. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie A Quiet Place. It was uh, back in 2018. And and here's that, man, do you know there's only 25 words spoken in, in this nearly 90-minute movie? And uh, the, the, uh, the, the gist of the story of this is that there, there's been some, some alien, these creatures that had invaded our world and they're, they're hypersensitive to sound, but they're blind. And, but here's the thing, if they can hear you, they'll find you and they'll kill you. And so humanity is being wiped out, but, but one family is attempting to live in isolation in upstate New York. It's, uh, the, 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 actually, the main character and the, the, the writer of the film is John Krasinski. You know him as Jim from The Office. And his real-life wife, Emily Blunt, uh, p- plays his wife. And as this family is living in upstate New York in, in isolation, and, and just so they, they, these creatures don't find her, and they've learned to live in silence. And the, the movie fast-forwards to, uh, to a scene where 
uh, one of their children, they go into to the city secretly to get some supplies. And one of the boys finds a toy that, that he wants to use. And, and, and uh, uh, John Krasinski, he says, that you can't take that in. It makes way too much noise. And so when he leaves, though, his other daughter, Reagan, she gets the toy and she takes it for him and gives it to him. And the little boy, when he gets home, he starts playing and it makes so much noise that the aliens come and they kill uh, uh, this little boy. And so this little girl, Reagan, who herself uh, is deaf and has hearing aids, that, that she, she feels all this guilt and shame. And she senses that her father is bitter at her for the loss uh, of his son. And so she's living her life this way. And then uh, fast forward. They're out on their farmland, and, and these invaders, these these aliens, have found them, and and so uh, they they find their kids, and so Dad stands in the gap, is going to fight this alien creature, and the kids run off into this truck, and as they're hiding in the truck, man, the creatures find him, and they start ripping in to this truck, and, and as they do, the kids are screaming in terror, but then suddenly they see their dad gets up, and, and the, everything slows down in the scene. And, and the little girl, Reagan, who's in the car, locks eyes with her daddy. And then her daddy, um, they, they don't speak, they use sign language. And he says this, he says, I love you. And you can see the shame and guilt melt off of her face. And then he repeats, I have always loved you. And then in that moment, he spreads his arm and he screams, ah, and all the aliens, they come to him and the children go free. And isn't that our story, man, that, that Jesus, as he goes to the cross, his nail pierced hands inside, it's sign language for you and I, that no matter what you've done, I have always loved you. And with that, I pray that guilt and shame melt off of you. And Jesus, he too cries out in the end, it is finished. Man, every story whispers his name. A stands for atonement, where Jesus dies on our behalf and he makes us one with himself. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you uh, just for the opportunity of gathering together today, Lord. And we just I just thank you for the atonement. Jesus, for your sacrificial death, burial, resurrection, Lord, that, that I might be one with you. And Lord, I, I want to pray for those that, that don't know you here today. Lord, I pray, uh, God, that if, if that's their heart today, that, that Lord, that they would, they would ask you into their heart. You know, we're doing the ABCs of faith. And you know, salvation is as easy as ABC. ABC. A, you just need to admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior. B, you need to believe that Jesus uh, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day to, to pay for the price for your sin. And then C, confess. Confess him as Lord. And I pray you confess him as your Lord today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, uh, uh, the sermon's over, but we're not quite finished. I want to encourage you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. God says, I honor those people who honor me. And, and I want to be a man who honors God uh, in my finances. And so there's three ways that, that you can give. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text if you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977. It's a very convenient way to give. It's how my family and I give. 
Or you can go straight up old school and mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, as you're faithful and you're tithing and you're giving. Every nation, Jesus loves you. And I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation, New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.